You are listening to You Were Made For This, the podcast to help transform your relationships into the best they can be. Welcome to You Were Made For This. If you find yourself wanting more from your relationships, you've come to the right place. Here you'll discover practical principles you can use to experience the life-giving relationships you were made for. And now here's your host, John Sertalic. Well, hey, thank you, Carol, and hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 107. You've probably heard this one before. A prophet is honored everywhere except in his own hometown. Today, we're going to take a look at the origin of this centuries-old saying and how it relates to another old adage, seeing is believing. They both have implications for our relationships here in the 21st century. So let's start with, a prophet is honored everywhere except in his own hometown. If you happen to be a person of faith, you may recognize this phrase as originating from the mouth of Jesus. We see it recorded in both the Gospel of Matthew in chapter 13, as well as in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 6. I'll read the passage from Matthew 13, starting in verse 53. When Jesus had finished telling these stories and illustrations, by the way, this had to do with teaching about the kingdom of God through a variety of parables near Capernaum and the Sea of Galilee. Anyway, when he had finished teaching these stories and illustrations, he left that part of the country. He returned to Nazareth, his hometown. When he taught there in the synagogue, everyone was amazed and said, Where does he get his wisdom and the power to do miracles? Then they scoffed. He's just the carpenter's son, and we know Mary, his mother, and his brothers, James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas. All his sisters live right here among us. Where did he learn all these things? And they were deeply offended and refused to believe in him. Then Jesus told them, A prophet is honored everywhere except in his own hometown and among his own family. And so, he did only a few miracles there because of their unbelief. Hmm. To this account from Matthew, the Gospel writer Mark adds that Jesus was not honored even among his own family and relatives. Mark also goes on to say, And because of their unbelief, he, meaning Jesus, couldn't do any miracles among them except to place his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. Hmm. The townspeople of Nazareth went from amazement about the wisdom of Jesus and the miracles he performed to outright disdain in very short order. You know, there's an interesting play on words here. The writers of the gospel say that the townspeople were amazed at the wisdom of Jesus and the miracles he performed. And then Mark says, Jesus was amazed at their unbelief. Two different kinds of amazement. The teachings of Jesus brought into question their assumptions about life and were a threat to their worldview to the people of Nazareth. The reaction of the people of Nazareth illustrates significant characteristics about the human condition 
and our natural tendencies in relating to each other. They teach us what not to do in our relationships. For example, we tend to put people in categories or boxes, often subconsciously, based on our assumptions. He's just the carpenter's son. This immediately marginalized Jesus because of his father's occupation, a real kick in the teeth to Joseph. The townspeople further discount Jesus because of his mother and his siblings, for they're perceived as nothing special either. In their minds, the whole family comes from the other side of the tracks. I wonder if Jesus was seen as illegitimate since his parents were not married when he was conceived. What could someone from this type of background possibly have anything to offer us seems to be their mindset about Jesus. They saw Jesus perform miracles and were amazed by them. Yet, they dismissed them. Who is he to be telling us all this? The townspeople ignored what they saw and experienced. For them, seeing is believing certainly wasn't true. The disdain of the townspeople, I believe, is rooted in the notion that people don't change, that we can't rise above our origins or circumstances. When someone accomplishes something of note that is not typical of a certain station of life, we really don't know what to do with them. What we do, though, is we create a narrative for things and people we don't understand. I don't understand math, therefore math isn't important. That's a narrative I created for myself. In fact, I explain it in a book I'm writing now and entitled, There are three kinds of people in the world, those who understand math and those who don't. Three kinds of people. Uh, Carol's shaking her head, so I best move on. <laughs> the people of Nazareth who knew Jesus from the time he was a little boy had no category for him. They didn't understand him. Where did he learn all these things, was their question in Matthew 13. The easiest thing to do when we don't understand someone is to dismiss them. Matthew says, they were deeply offended and refused to believe in him. Wow, those are, those are pretty strong words. You see this kind of thing in organizations, ministries, and churches when it comes to relational problems and conflicts. To solve these problems, it's easier to fire people than to do the hard work of understanding everyone involved. Four examples of this quickly come to mind, and we won't go into them in any detail. But in all four cases that come to mind, relational conflicts were not addressed because that would have taken a lot of time to understand the issues from the viewpoint of all parties involved. Instead, in each case, one person in the conflict was listened to by the leadership who then terminated the other person involved in the conflict. It was quick and efficient at the time. But each of these conflict resolutions had the unintended consequence of destroying any credibility in the leadership who made those terminations. Well, getting back to the people of Nazareth. They didn't believe what they saw 
because what they saw contradicted what they already believed. He's just a carpenter's son whose parents had to get married because he was conceived before the wedding. We know the family, and they're nothing special. What the carpenter's son is telling us means we will have to change how we live, and we really don't want to change. So what does all this mean for us? What are the implications for our relationships here in the 21st century? Well, when it comes to relating to others, we need to question our assumptions about people. Unlike the townspeople of Nazareth, pay greater attention to the fruit of someone's life than where they came from and their backstory. We should ask ourselves, what narrative have I created in my mind to make sense of someone I don't quite understand? And certainly, stay away from personality tests like the Myers-Briggs and Enneagram. They create self-fulfilling prophecies and they try to microwave our understanding of people. We are all much more complicated than what any personality test can try to measure. Just Google the phrase accuracy of the Myers-Briggs test and you'll see how no serious psychologist considers it valid. Instead of using personality tests, make an effort to get to know others without any preconceived notion about them. Practice the aura principle of deepening our relationships. You remember, observe, remember, ask. O-R-A. Finally, finally, trust what Jesus told us 2,000 years ago, because it's still true. Believe it even if you don't see it. Believe anyway. Put your faith in him and not in your own abilities. The only reason you and I have any skill at all is because Jesus has equipped us with the ability to acquire that skill. Now, if you forget everything else, here's really one thing I hope you remember from today's episode. It's the main thing. When it comes to relationships, believe what you see in people rather than preconceived notions we may have of them and their backstory. Consider the fruit of people's lives, or they may be showing us a better way to live. I'd love to hear any thoughts you have about today's episode. Just send them to me in an email to john at caringforothers.org. You can also share your thoughts in the leave a reply box at the bottom of the show notes. In closing, if you found the podcast helpful, please subscribe if you haven't already done so. I hope your thinking was stimulated by today's show to both reflect and to act so that you will find the joy that God intends for you through your relationships. Because after all, you were made for this. Well, that's all for today. I look forward to connecting with you again next week. Goodbye for now.